Friday the 28th of May 1943, around 1am. The Dakota droned on, a low, monotonous rumble, the pitch of the two engines changing only occasionally as the plane hit turbulence or the pilot adjusted course. Captain Jack Tanner, sometime of the King's Own Yorkshire Rangers, but now, well, he wasn't so sure, closed his eyes. The noise of the plane was so constant it had become a kind of silence. He opened his eyes again and glanced at his watch, the dials only faintly visible despite the luminosity of the face. Surely, he thought, it must be almost time. A flight of one hour and five minutes, they had been told, at a cruising speed of around 140 miles per hour. It's just a brief hop across the med, the pilot had grinned. Piece of cake! Tanner had not reciprocated the smile as they had left the briefing tent at Lamaza Airfield, nausea already stirring in his stomach. If he had wanted to spend his life in the air, he would have joined the RAF a long time ago. While others had gazed enviously up at first biplanes, then Spitfires and other modern aircraft, Tanner had been grateful to have his two feet firmly on the ground. Fortunately, during the more than ten years he had been a soldier, he had not had much cause to find himself airborne. Once or twice, that was all. He understood the principles of flight, but it still seemed unnatural to him that a large mass of metal, oil and high-octane fuel should travel high up through the sky, and he did not like having to place his life in the hands of someone and something else. On the ground... He was confident he could handle himself as well as any man. In the air, it was a different matter. Tanner shifted in his seat and felt the canvas safety strap dig into his waist. The Dakota, or C-47, as the Americans preferred to call it, belonged to the 51st Troop Carrier Wing and would, Tanner had learned, be transporting British and American paratroopers over to Sicily when the invasion was eventually launched. Either side, running down the long fuselage, there was a row of 14 metal seats, then a space towards the tail for stores and the jump hatch. Tonight, however, the seats were largely empty. Tanner alone on one side, Major Charlie Wiseman and Colonel Max Spiro on the other. Tanner glanced across at them, the three-quarter moon casting a pale glow through the windows behind him. Spyro was playing with something, a rosary, his lips moving faintly, perhaps muttering to himself. There was a wedding band on his left hand. How old was he? Late thirties, Tanner guessed, probably with a family back home in Washington or wherever he lived. He looked short and fleshy next to Wiseman, who sat with his back straight, head against the side of the fuselage, eyes closed, a faint smile across his face. Tanner cursed him for looking so relaxed, but rarely in the past few months had he ever seen Wiseman more than slightly ruffled. Spyro now caught his eye, then quickly looked away. At least he could speak Italian, Tanner thought. Spyro looked Italian too. Dark hair, slightly greying, dark brows, dark eyes, dark skin. He is Italian, Wiseman had told Tanner. All these ways his parents are. 
first-generation Sicilians. Spyro had grown up speaking Italian, Wiseman had said. Half of all Americans speak some European lingo, he'd added. Hell, about a quarter of us speak kraut. What about you? Tanner had asked. Wiseman had shrugged. Un poco italiano. Grazie tante, signorina. He had grinned. <laughs> Put it this way. I know what a flautista is. What is it? Wiseman had laughed and slapped Tanner on the back. Look, we'll be just fine. Don't you worry, Jack. Even Wiseman had a Mediterranean look about him, the same dark hair and eyes. Tanner supposed he did too. Like Wiseman, he was tall, six foot and a bit, with almost raven dark.